The first and best victory is to conquer self. Welcome to the Conqueror Approach, a journey of self-mastery. To cultivate our mind, body, spirit, financial literacy, and allow our light to shine upon the world. Brought to you by me, your host, U.S. Navy submarine veteran and entrepreneur, Musa Mikkel. Let's conquer. Welcome to the Conqueror Approach. I appreciate you for tuning in. Today, I have Heather Ryder, an anxiety specialist, coach, chronic stress specialist who worked with hundreds of clients who are suffering from anxiety, panic attacks, sleepless nights, overwhelm, severe stress, and perfectionism. She's the founder of the EnergySynergist.com. Welcome, Heather. Thank you for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about this topic today. Absolutely. It's such an important topic and it's something that I've dealt with uh, pretty severely when I was in the submarine and during my military time. So I'm excited that we can share this message to help people out uh, on their journeys. And how did you get on this journey of helping people with anxiety and become an anxiety expert, coaching others through debilitating anxiety and stress? And that's a great question. It was really my own personal struggle and recovery from anxiety that led me to where I am now. Uh, I used to work in technology. I live in Austin, Texas, which is a big tech town. And I used to work in technology and I didn't know that I was struggling with anxiety. Uh, looking back, I probably had anxiety for at least 10 years uh, but I had high functioning anxiety, which is a very particular type of anxiety. So I was super functioning in the world. That's what the high functioning stands for. So from the outside, I looked really calm to people. I used to hear it actually all the time. People would comment about how calm I was or how laid back or easygoing I was. And I never understood that because on the inside, I didn't feel that way at all. And I, I was so surprised about people's perceptions of me because I felt like a total spaz all of the time. My mind was constantly racing. I mean, just constantly. I would be thinking about the past, which I now know is called rumination. I'd be thinking about things that happen, playing out events over and over and over in my mind for sometimes weeks, like one thing would happen and I would think about it for weeks. And if I wasn't doing that, I was really, really worried about the future. And so I would make all of these, what I call contingency plans, right? Like I'd think about possible scenarios of things that could happen in the future. And if those happened, how I would react and how I could shape or control the outcome. So it was like I was strategizing in my head. And I was doing that all of the time. And so it was just mentally exhausting, right? And that's where like the insomnia comes in because you can't go to sleep when that's happening in your brain, or you wake up in the middle of the night and can't go back to sleep or you wake up early. And so it was just, like I said, I was a hot mess. And to make this uh, shorten up the story a bit, um, I wound up getting very sick with a severe autoimmune reaction because I had been under that stress response in my body for so long. And so my body, my nervous system was just shot. 
And so when I got sick, I wanted to take a holistic approach to healing my body. And that's when things really started to shift for me. And I started to get emotional healing that I didn't even know that I needed. And so it's like all these old patterns. And, you know, if we think of our brain as like a glitchy computer program, it's like all the old programs started to break down and shift and change. And I really transformed myself. And this is something that I think is, um, you know, really surprising is that I didn't realize I had anxiety until I didn't have it anymore. So when I was going through this process of changing and breaking down the old patterns, I still didn't even know that I had anxiety. It was when I reflected later and read things and heard other people's experiences that I recognized, oh my gosh, I had anxiety. And then I didn't have it anymore. And so that transformation just really led me to wanting to help other people because high functioning anxiety in particular is so hidden that I just want to help other people recognize that they do have it and that they can live a life without anxiety. It doesn't have to be just manage it. It can be actually, you don't have it anymore. That's very interesting because I see it for me that I wasn't really aware of a lot of the reasons or causes of it. I was just being very reactive. And I like that you, you, you kind of mentioned it being becoming aware that you weren't really aware of the anxiety that you were dealing with. And I think that's one of the more important pieces in the beginning uh, is just creating the consciousness that you understand that you're being, you have anxiety and where what's triggering it because sometimes we have triggers and we're not even noticing that certain thing or certain place or certain conversation or or even uh, memory that triggers it because that's a lot a lot from what i've experienced is same thing that you mentioned is the rumination on things that were weren't even happening <laughs> or something that already happened and i just couldn't like stop thinking about it and then that creates that state. Um, and another thing is how does that stress, since you're in, you're in a chronic st stress state, could you tell us a little bit more about what happened with your autoimmune issue and how that affected your overall immunity? Yeah. So, I mean, when you are, you know, in this chronic stress state, you have cortisol, uh, which is the primary stress hormone in your body, uh, just become elevated and it stays elevated all of the time. And there is also adrenaline, which most people know about. And that usually only happens right when you're in like an extreme circumstance, but it is the cortisol that is supposed to only spike up, you know, in certain times, but when you're in constant anxiety, it's there all of the time. And so it just like runs your body out. You like, you can't live that way in a perpetual state, right? It's like, I don't know, you just think about, a, you know, a, let's say a manual transmission and you're just running your car on first or second gear, you're going to burn it out. And so that's what I did to my body. Um, and so, I mean, I had all, all sorts of just health problems that came from autoimmune issue, but I mean, you know, the, the short of it is autoimmune is that your body is attacking itself. Like it thinks that it's under some sort of attack from the outside. And so it starts to try and, you know, send in its little warriors to heal something, but there's nothing actually that's invading your body. So it just starts attacking itself. And for me, I had a lot of digestive problems and um, 
problems that manifested in my skin. Um, that's primarily where it was happening because my liver was sort of overloaded and your skin is your next biggest cleansing organ. So if my liver couldn't process things, my skin was trying to do it for my liver. How important is introducing some sort of holistic regimen or holistic treatment to something like severe anxiety? Well, I think it's fundamental and crucial. And um, listen, I will say that yes, sometimes medication has its time or its place and it helps a lot of people. And so I'm not knocking that. I'm not a doctor. I'm not, you know, giving any medical advice, but that's just a band-aid. And so when you have anxiety, when I had anxiety and you already said this, you alluded to this, there's, there's a root cause. There's a reason that you have anxiety. And so if you want to heal from it and not be on medication for the rest of your life, you actually have to figure out what's going on and heal from it in some way. And there's a variety of ways in which you can do that. Um, I mean, for me, I took some definitely alternative approaches, but the point of this is like, if we go back to that glitchy computer program, that's your mind, you've got to like download the, the new software so that you're not running the old scripts that are, that are junk in your head. Mm -hmm. And that, that again, comes from just the mindfulness aspect of it. Like what thoughts are causing this type of stressful reaction. And with that, what, what are like some of the key things that you should understand about anxiety to get to the root cause? Right. So obviously everyone is unique, but we all have past experiences in our lives that have led us to be who we are now. So if we think about subconsciously, we witness the world, right? So we can have things happen directly to us. We also can, you know, witness something indirectly, but from those experiences, we make decisions about life, about the way things operate, about who people are, who the, like how the world is, how we are. And we take those beliefs and they're basically running the show in our brains. And those are the root causes that we have anxiety. And another way that I phrase this that helps people understand it is I have, um, we, I call it big T trauma and little T trauma, because a lot of times people will look at their life and think, well, something, nothing traumatic happened to me. How could I possibly, you know, have this big heightened response to something? Nothing bad happened to me, but that's because they're comparing their lives to someone else's that may have had something that they think is traumatic, but that's a big T trauma, right? The little T traumas, um, especially when you're an adult, looking back, it may not seem like it was that big of a deal, but when you're a kid, when you're five and that's your first experience or exposure to something, it actually is a big deal. And those are the little T traumas. So this is like core things that have happened to all of us that have shaped our belief systems. And those are the things that are underneath the anxiety that need to be healed. And you said this a couple of times, we're we, in this conversation, we make it sound easy. Like you said, mindfulness, and you have to be aware of this and, you know, get to know what your triggers are. And all of those are absolutely true. But 
it's actually a lot of work <laughs> to get at this stuff because if it's, you know, uh, unconscious and subconscious, you don't know that it's running the show. Like you can't see it because you have absolutely no idea that it's under there. Absolutely. I 100% agree. It, it takes a lot of intention and focus because you, you normally take the path to the least resistance. So whatever your subconscious programs are, that's going to drive the car. So it's, it's, it's yeah. getting that awareness really takes a lot of focus. And, and when, when you work with clients and getting them to really unravel those programs or those, I, I love the way you, you mentioned the little trauma, because there is a lot of things that we might see as insignificant, but as a kid or something, that is the most significant thing at that time. Mm -hmm. So it's just right. as you could compare it to a very significant thing as an adult. So how do you work with individuals to really start to, to become more mindful, how to get more intentional with those maybe past experiences that are leading up to things that they don't even notice? Yeah. So, I mean, the work that I'm doing, I say, I would say is kind of twofold. And one is what you just said, being intentional. I also would say there's, a has to be a lot of commitment, right? It's like wanting to change yourself because it's not easy and you got to keep doing the work um, and keep doing the work and keep doing the work. And by the way, I do want to say like my autoimmune issue, it took me a year and a half to heal from. It was not quick. Right. And there was a lot of times in there that I felt like, is anything going to change for me? Like I am trying so hard and I would get better and then I would hit a plateau and I felt like nothing is happening and I would feel really rejected, you know, and, and dejected. But I had to keep thinking, okay, there has got to be a way out of this. This is not the rest of my life. And so I would keep going. And so it takes the commitment and it takes the intention. And that is the, that actually is incredibly important for somebody to say, okay, I'm willing and committed and I'm intentionally going to try that right there actually is enough to start and to be a catalyst for change because of that alone is breaking down an old pattern. So that's super important. Um, I also really love for my clients to start to, as you were saying, like become self-aware. And there are a lot of questions that people can even just start asking themselves that are really simple. So it's like asking yourself questions without judgment, but like from a place of curiosity, like you're being a detective, like talking about triggers, because you already mentioned that, like oh, I'm feeling anxious right now. I wonder what happened to make me feel this way, right? And just that question alone is like, hmm, there's gotta be a reason. I wonder what it is. And so it's like anytime we're having these emotional responses, recognizing there must have been something there. And that if you can like tune in and tap in like you are a detective in your own life, that's when you start to get a lot of ahas of like, oh, wait a minute, that anxiety didn't just come out of nowhere. Cause that's something I hear a lot when I start working with my clients. They're like, I don't even understand it. Like one minute I'm fine. And the next minute I'm about to have a panic attack. It's like, well, there was actually something there. It was a, a trigger that you totally missed. It didn't quote unquote, come out of nowhere. There was a bunch of escalation that was happening to get you to that point. You just didn't know it. And so this, you know, like thought process of, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to start to notice things and help myself. That is also another really big first step. Mm -hmm. And you, you kind of mentioned it and I, I'm glad you did that. It, it took you a long time 
Like it, it wasn't, oh, be mindful one day and like you're good. You're no, no more anxiety. <laughs> it's it's like a, a lifestyle change, right? It's a long-term approach. Right. Definitely. This is American, right? Thing is like, we want results. We want them fast, you know? And it's like, we're not talking about weight loss, right? But it takes somebody a long time to get up to this weight that they're really unhappy about. And then they want to lose all the weight, you know, in a month or something like, no, that's not going to happen. And so if somebody has severe anxiety, they may have had it their entire life. I mean, most people that I work with are in their thirties or forties or fifties. And a lot of them, they have had it since childhood or adolescence right? So it's been a, a long time. And so it, it, it doesn't have to take forever, by the way, um, to undo it, but it's, yeah, probably not going to happen in a month. Mm -hmm. I, I think the longest part is, is, be, is gaining the understanding that you could really could change it. Is, is that as, but getting that power back over those reactions, right? And yeah, go ahead. I feel like you were going to yeah, say Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, you're, you're right. It's like knowing that it doesn't have to be that way. And for, mm -hmm. for so many people, um, whatever it is that is, you know, their issue, whether it's mental health or something else, it's like there is a bit of an identity that happens with that. And this is the egoic mind, right? Thinking, well, who would I be without my anxiety? And so then that's scary itself to think, well, if, if this were gone, then who would I be? And that's part of why people stay in the state that they're in is that they're, it's so intertwined with who they are that to not have it would mean, well, then I don't even know who I am anymore. And yeah, I'll say that's scary, but you should know that the who you are is like a gazillion times better. Like, can you imagine being happy the vast majority of the time that's possible? And this is something I said, you know, a number of minutes ago, it is possible to truly not have anxiety anymore because I get that question about like, Oh, Heather, what do you do now to manage your anxiety? And it's like, well, I don't have it anymore. There's nothing to manage. Mm -hmm. you, you mentioned a great point and it, it reminded me of something that Tony Robbins said, uh, about identity and it's one of the most powerful traits of humans are acting in congruence with their identity or their belief of who they are uh, and that's that's a big thing I think for a lot of people is I've been like this like I don't even remember not being anxious like it's just so normal and and is that one of the hardest things for you to get people to understand that there's another side to it. That's not normal. It might be normal for you at this point, but let's make something better normal. Yeah. I mean, I would say for most people that are working with me, they have gotten to the point where they are fully committed to change. I mean, I do talk to some people and they don't go forward with working with me because they're still kind of stuck in that identity thing. But most people, when they reach out to me have already tried other things like they've tried therapy or they've tried pharmaceuticals and they have just, it hasn't worked for them, but there is some part of them, right? The, you know, what I call that like higher self that knows, wait a minute, other people don't have anxiety right? If they're comparing themselves to somebody else, they're like, well, this isn't quote unquote normal because I know other people who don't have anxiety. So it must be possible to live without this. 
So there is a big enough commitment. There's a big enough, you know, seed of something within them that they want to try they, and they want to try something different because whatever they've done before hasn't worked, but they, they do know it's possible um, or else they wouldn't reach out to me. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and by you saying that you don't even deal with it anymore, like you've, you've worked so hard and you've been committed for so long that kind of reminds me of just like being fit in general. Like it, it's, I, I, for me, I, it makes more sense for me when I think about it as like fitness, like it's, it's like mental fitness. Like you have to be committed, like you said, and work on it. And it's, again, it's not going to happen in a week, but it, you know, it, it, you could see progress that fast, but it's always just about the progression. Uh, and, and that helped me through a lot of it is just, let me just try to be better every time, you know, and, and with that, I adopted some good habits. Uh, what, what type of habits do you recommend someone start trying to implement, uh, if they're just trying to get a grasp on their own anxiety or stress or panic attacks? Yeah, I do. I definitely want to answer that, but I don't want to gloss over what you said, because I actually think that was really important, right? Because you talked about the, the fitness and that's a good analogy. Um, I also would say like, there's probably somebody listening to this who's been married a long time. That's no accident. Like if you're married, it's because you've been working at that marriage. I'm divorced. So I can tell you there's something I did not do right. Right. But it's like, okay, I have to actually take significant action and take steps to get what I want and make habits. And so uh, that's really powerful people, you know, to understand that like, oh, if I want to change, then I have to do something about it. It's not going to happen magically. It's not by accident. And so um, some things that, you know, I do tell, I don't tell people to do something necessarily like, oh, you should meditate. You should do this because there's lots of different things that work or don't work for people. I do think that people and it should definitely be moving their bodies if they have anxiety. I mean, I do think exercise is actually from a physiological perspective is very helpful for mental health. Um, but some other things that people could do are you know, action steps like intentionally journaling. And I don't mean just like an open book that has, you know, you just get out a pen and start writing because for most people that doesn't work, but having specific prompts, mm -hmm. some people really respond very well to that. Um, and some other things like I have my clients do a specific aromatherapy technique because essential oils can be very powerful from a chemical perspective. It like fires different neurons in your brain. And then again, it's the same thing. When I give them their bottle of oil, I tell them you do this every single day at this specific time, right? It's not just like, oh, you do it every once in a while. It's like, nope, you do this every day until that bottle is gone. And that's probably going to last you three months. Right. And so you and I are really saying the same thing is like you find something that works for you and then you do it consistently over and over. And that's how you're making progress. Mm -hmm. Can you can you tell me a little bit more about the aromatherapy? Because that uh, I never really got uh, into it, but it seems interesting. Uh, what kind of like oils are specific for like relaxation. Sure. Yeah. Um, just to briefly explain why essential oils work. Um, cause it sounds hokey to a lot of people. 
So essential oils are made by steam distilling plants. So it takes a large quantity of plant to make essential oil. So it takes about five pounds of lavender to make a 15 milliliter bottle of lavender essential oil, which is, um, I think about two, oh gosh, milliliters, like doing the conversion. Maybe that's like, um, two, two and a half ounces or something, right? So it's a pretty small bottle. So you're taking the chemical properties of essential oil um, and it's like super magnified plant power. So essential oils have chemical constituents in them. So this is like some chemistry. So they have chemical constituents in them and depending on the plant, the constituents can vary, but the different constituents cause a different reaction in your nervous system. And so two that I tell my clients to use are cypress and cedar wood. Those are both from conifer trees and cedar wood in particular, it has um, an alcohol in it that is really, really good to help people relax because the alcohol in it, um, I think it's called Cedrol, has a sedative effect because most people with anxiety are totally amped up, right? Like we talked about this is like your brain is churning, right? And so when you're breathing in the essential oil, you're breathing in and pulling those chemical constituents into your body. And so your nervous system has a reaction to them. It's, you know, it's like the alternative as to using like a man-made drug of some sort, it's like using plant therapy for the same thing. So when you breathe in the oil, which you can do through a diffuser, you can, I tell my clients to cup, like put some oil on their hands and then cup their hands in front of their face and just breathe it in. It literally lowers your, your, um, nervous response and brings it down. So it's super powerful. That makes incredible sense because there there's scientific studies that prove just being in nature helps like your nervous systems, helps you relax, your brain health and everything. So I didn't really make that connection until now that how how powerful uh, like aromatherapy or essential oils can be in creating that type of uh, state within your home or room or wherever yeah, you're within at in your body. Yeah. And I will tell if anybody's listening to this and they're like, Oh, wow, that sounds amazing. You do want to use really high quality oils. There's a lot of cheap ones on the market that are, they have all sorts of fillers and junk. So like, if you see a, you know, some essential oils at Costco, don't buy them. <laughs> Like you actually have to do it. There's some good brands out there. So I just like to tell people that like there's better quality. And if it's a cheap bottle that only costs $5, don't buy it. Um, so I, I just like to mention that. Mm -hmm. No, I definitely noticed that when I went to buy a tea tree oil once, it was like 97% something else. <laughs> and it was like 2% yeah. tea tree. <laughs> so definitely. You that. <laughs> uh, one thing I did want to touch up on uh, just for people who may have suffered from it or know people who suffered from having panic attacks. Uh, Cause I don't recall me having any personally, but I know it, it's pretty common. What exactly is happening uh, when someone is in the middle of a panic attack? Yeah, I did have a panic attack once. So, um, and I can tell you it's, yeah, but it's pretty horrible. Um, and so again, this sort of goes back to our body and our nervous system, right? So it's like when someone's anxiety has spiked up to a level where they have just become overloaded, 
then they can no longer process. So like, if you think about that flight or fight kind of response, your body, when you're having a panic attack, you're like no longer in your logic mind at all. So, um, I know this is a podcast, but like, if you think about this as your brain, that sort of, um, thing you've heard of, like they flip their lid, uh, like as an expression when somebody just like went off the rails or they just went nuts. So it's, it is a actual brain thing that's happening. It's like, you're, you've gone into animal mode. <laughs> like you're not in any sort of cognitive, normal thought process at that point. And so it's really just that their anxiety is escalated so high that their, their logic and thought mind is gone and their body is just in this response state. So this, I mean, we could do an entire, you know, episode about panic attacks and why I think that people are getting to that state. I will say one thing that I found that's really common with my clients is a lot of people are very afraid of physical sensations in their body. So when people are having anxiety, uh, there's a lot of telltale signs that are happening, right? It's, it's like your body is your first cue to let you know, Hey, wait a minute. You're not doing very well. Like trying to give you some signals like, Hey, you've got to calm down. And so for a lot of people that's chest constriction or chest pain, a lot of people will have a lot of tightness in their throat. Some people like, you know, will start to feel really nauseous. There's a, a number of things that happen that are, you know, predominant sort of feelings in people's bodies. Those things scare a lot of people because it is scary to not be able to breathe, right? To have your chest be really constricted or your heart thudding all at once, because then you start to think, oh my gosh, I'm like, I'm, am I having a heart attack? That was just your body trying really, really hard to help you to tell you, wait a minute, you've got to slow down. You've how to calm down, but they push through those body sensations. And then they wind up having a panic attack really quickly after that, because they didn't take the time to, you know, use a tool or a resource to bring their anxiety level down. They kept letting it escalate. Mm, absolutely. That makes sense. And it, I feel like it's sometimes just like a, a, a bad cycle. Like you notice your, your body's having some sort of reaction and that gives you more fear which and in, increases the reaction and it just like you get stuck yeah how does yeah, how does spiral that's called yeah. spiraling by the way because it's like oh i'm afraid of the reaction which makes the reaction worse and then there you go is there uh an effective method when you notice that spiraling happen to just interrupt that interrupt that pattern Something that I like to tell people to do that I think is really effective, especially if you practice this, is to feel your feet on the floor. Uh, let me tell you why. So when you are in that state of anxiety, you're not in the present moment, right? You're either worried about the future. Like if you think you're going to have a panic attack, then you're worried, oh my God, I'm about to have a panic attack, right? So you're worried about the future, Um when you're ruminating, you know, you're thinking about the past, when you feel your feet on the floor, you can do the sitting or standing and really feel your feet on the floor. You bring yourself into your body for a moment. And that's called present moment awareness. So this is a mindful mindfulness sort of technique, right? And so when you feel your feet on the floor, like, boop, your, your body, even if it's only for like half of a second, 
But if you keep feeling your feet on the floor and focus on them, you're bringing yourself into the present moment over and over. And so another thing that I tell people to do to lengthen this process, feel your feet on the floor and then imagine that you have a ball of energy above your head. It's like a foot above your head and then start to pull that ball of energy down through your body. And you're still focused on your feet this entire time. And so you just pull that ball of energy through your body all the way down out the bottom of your feet and then send the ball of energy down into the floor. And so when you do that, you stay in that present moment awareness for a pretty long time. And also that ball of energy is useful because as I just mentioned, a lot of people are feeling something in their body. And then when you run the ball of energy through part of your body, it kind of helps release that fear about that sensation or helps your body just relax when you get to that particular spot of your body and kind of loosen up and release. And I like this technique because, uh, first of all, you can do it anywhere, right? You can do it in your car at a stoplight. You can do it while you're standing in line at the grocery store. Once you get really good at it and practice a lot, you won't actually even need to close your eyes. You can just do it with your eyes open. So it's really sneaky that way. Um, Because as I said, you can do it anywhere out where you feel your anxiety kind of spiking up. It's like, oh, I'm going to use this little tool. That is an excellent tool. Thank you for sharing that because uh, if someone hasn't tried uh, a technique like that, they, they might not understand how powerful their mind is at countering those types of effects. Um, and, and before we start uh, wrapping it up, there's one, one topic that I still struggle with and I know you help a lot of people with is, is getting quality sleep. What kind of uh, I guess rituals or, or anything you do you recommend before someone is starting to wind down to actually increase their quality of sleep? Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely not a sleep expert, but as somebody who grappled with, you know, insomnia, I will say that, gosh, things you probably heard before, but like have a, you just used the word ritual. And I would say like a bedtime routine, right? So do the same things in the set order. And this sounds so boring and so like old lady-ish, but go to bed at the same time every night. (laughs) Just that alone, right? Like, cause then if your body's not all over the place trying to wonder, well, like, am I supposed to sleep now or not? It knows, oh, we wind down at this time and we do this thing in this set order every night. And those are all cues to your body that it's supposed to do this set thing, which is relax. And I definitely would say, don't be looking at a screen, right? Before you try to go to bed, right? Like looking at your phone, looking at your iPad or whatever, that is very bad for you. Um, It's really hard to relax. You're stimulating your brain and then telling your brain to stop. It just doesn't work very well. So if people are really struggling with insomnia, I mean, they're going to need more than that. And that is where some of those other techniques can come into play. And that's where like that aromatherapy thing, where I said, people, my clients do it at that time, they do that at night in bed, by the way. So that's part of what they're adopting is their routine to signal to their brain, Hey, it's time to go to sleep is using that essential oil that has that relaxing effect. So, and it doesn't matter what it is for you. It's like anybody can try anything, just do it in the set order 
and do at the same time every single night without fail. I think the the incorporating your smell right before sleep is such a powerful way because then now that smell triggers your brain to to associate that with okay it's time to you know relax and go to sleep. So I think that's yeah. that's such a beautiful technique and before we end this, I want to give you an opportunity to share a little bit about where people can reach you at. If they want to continue this conversation with you or work with you, uh, where are the best places to reach you at? Well, yeah, of course you can find my website, which is the energycenergist.com, but my name uh, is all over the internet. So if you search Heather Ryder and that's R-I-D-E-R and the word anxiety, you will find me in a gazillion places. Um, I've I've been working hard on creating really great videos that are helpful and informative for people. So if you want to find my YouTube channel, I think that you'd probably enjoy that. Okay. Awesome. I'll share those links and details in the show notes. Uh, thank you, Heather. This has been a great, great episode. I think it's going to help a lot of people. Anxiety is so prominent in society. I feel uh, especially with media and then just all the fear tactics that's out there. This is a very helpful way to, really start applying those techniques to start seeing change in individuals' lives. And I appreciate you for giving us your time and expertise in this area. You are so welcome. It's been my pleasure. That is all for this episode. Thank you for tuning in. If you found any value in this episode, someone you know will also. Please share, subscribe, leave a rating and review so we can reach more people have a farther ripple and a larger impact. Stay grateful. I appreciate you. And remember, you are a conqueror.